I hear about eight people excited about that. All right. Nine, I guess not. <laughs> uh, good evening, everyone. Wow. I'm going to give a quick shout out to Busan team, Seaside. Hi. Uh, I was down in Busan last Sunday attending my cousin's wedding, and I got to be at their first house church ever. And then, oh, man, God's presence was so thick in the room, and I was just blown away by how extravagantly and powerfully they were worshiping the Lord. And I was, I was like, wow, it's not too bad to miss out on Hillside one, because our Seaside one's like, that's good, you know? And I was talking to uh, the members, and they said that was the first time that God's presence showed up like that. Like manifest present is showing up like that, that thick in the room. And then I just realized that, wow, we were really mutually blessed. As, um, you know, I went there for a wedding, but still our house sent me as an apostolic leader. And then as I was being there, I was blessing them with the whatever that I carry. And then I was getting blessed through them, through their, um, what they had, you know, it was really special. You could tell that they are like family, um, God's establishing Seaside team. All of them, I got to watch uh, six of them actually preach because uh, they took the preaching class. They're really good. I could see all of them go out to the beaches and just beach. <laughs> all right, beach and all. Uh, I could totally imagine and see them envision them just preaching open air too. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so it was really, really great to see them. So Busan team, you guys are doing great and we're really proud of you. Yeah, keep, keep, keep moving forward. Bring the revival to my hometown. Amen. Perfect. Um, I'm going to ask you guys a question. I'm going to start with this. If you are going to summarize one thing that God's been doing in New Philly for the last two, three years, if you have to summarize it into one word, what would that be? Talk to your neighbor about it. Come up with one word answer. I say for the last two years. Let's see if we come up with the same thing. Okay, throw me some answers. What, what, what? Romancing. Okay, creative. <laughs> Something else? Sonship. You guys agree? Alright, the answer came out. It was sonship. If you ask me to summarize what we've been, the leadership past, Christian past area, what we've been growing in the most for the last two years, I would say we've been growing in sonship. And we always talk about spiritual father, you're my son and daughter. We always talk about inheritance. It's all about sonship. Like Pastor Marcus would say, it's all about sonship. And I, whenever I share these concepts and these things that I've been growing in and that's been transforming my mind with my friends, uh, believing friends, other church-going friends, the friends that go to Korean churches, whenever I share uh, about these concepts, the common response that I get is, do you believe in a cult? Or is your church, what denomination is your church from? Or like, do you go to a Catholic church? Because the Catholic Church in Korea, they have that kind of culture, like, demo, debu, there's my godfather, godmother kind of thing. They match you up with, like, different people. So those are the common responses that I got from those people. So I was like, wow, is it, what is really sonship? You know, and I asked um, a couple active leaders in the house, how would you describe sonship? 
how would you explain it to someone who's completely, who have completely no idea about it? And then they really didn't know what to say. So we're gonna, we talk about it a lot, but we're gonna go to the root of it today. And then we're gonna get some good review and also reminder of what sonship really means and what it, what God teaches about it through Apostle Paul. So we're gonna look at the scripture to get together. First Corinthians chapter four. Let's turn there together. First Corinthians chapter four. We're gonna look at verses fourteen to seventeen together. This is Apostle Paul writing to the church of the Corinth. Then let's read it together. Are you guys there? One, two, three, go. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Amen. So verse 15, if you guys look at the sentence once again, New King James Version, it says this, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. NIV version says this, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, NASB says, well, if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, and then they end the same sentence the same way, yet you would not have many fathers. Countless guides in Christ, according to ESV. All these amazing preachers that you love from all over the world, you name them, you know who they are. All these Christian resources, all the books, all the podcasts, Everything that you can find on online sources, your fellow brother or sister, or your uncle, your aunt, could be your grandma, I don't know. Anyone that you know who is in Christ, could be who? Could be your guide in Christ, tutor in Christ, a guardian in Christ. In fact, I don't even think I know that many Christian friends. <laughs> I think I know hundreds, but then this word, Greek word, Mor- Morias, Morias means 10,000 or innumerable or countless. So it literally, this verse means that there could be countless, so many, 10,000 different guardians over you in Christ. But can you imagine having 10,000 voices speaking to you about one thing, all different things? You're going to be one confused Christian. I mean, who are you going to listen to out of all those 10,000 voices? Let's say there's only like 10. That's still a lot. If 10 people say 10 different things, who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to choose? Are you going to ask everyone to vote for it? You know, updating Facebook status? You know, what should I do about this situation? Sole ate my chocolate cookie last night. Should I confront her? Am I going to ask all my Facebook friends to comment on it and see who says what? Who am I going to listen to? You know, who's my guardian? There could be 10,000. What are you going to do about decision makings? Your job situation, your marriage, your boyfriend, what are you going to do? Your romance. Let me see how many phlegmatic people we got here. All the major phlegmatics. Woo! I love phlegmatic people. They will most likely listen to the most choleric person that you know. Do you guys agree? 
the loudest one, the the most confident one. You're gonna end up listening to them, I guarantee. Oh, the singing's in the house. Woo! Make some noise. All right, I'm gonna sing it too. All the singings, I'm pretty sure we will all end up listening to the most melancholy person that we know. Because they just sound smart. They sound deep. They sound sophisticated, you know. They, they look like they know what they're talking about. I think I'm going to listen to Roy or someone, you know. All the clerics in the house. Woo! Oh, PC, don't pretend you're not the one. All the clerics in the house, you're going to end up listening to yourself. <laughs> Don't lie to me. I know you're going to do it. You know, because you're always right about everything. Colerics. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. That's what's going to happen. So in other words, we will end up choosing whatever we want to listen to. You will end up doing whatever you want to do anyways. All right, let me hear from you. Let me hear from you. All right, you and you. All right, everything sounds so good. I'm going to just do whatever I want it to do. Who is the central voice in your life? And a lot of you are thinking, God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, my best friend. You know, I know a lot of guys are thinking, of course I'm going to listen to God. He's my central voice. He always speaks to me. His voice is the final. I know that. The Holy Spirit will guide you and he will speak to you. I'm not denying that fact. But unfortunately, the Bible says his voice is still small voice. And even when the Holy Spirit speaks to you very, very clearly, you want to realize that you have the choice because God's given you the free will. He tells you to go to Japan and bring the revival to the nation. And you could say, Oh, that was too small. That was too still. That cannot be God. Forget it. You have the choice at the end. Don't you realize that? And this is the fact. You cannot keep yourself accountable. That's why you need accountability in your life. Because you're just too gracious to yourself. I'm really gracious toward myself, okay? I show me a lot of grace. Lots of grace. <laughs> very, very gracious. And you cannot shepherd your own soul. That's the reason why. Because you're just too gracious. You're never going to rebuke yourself. You know? And, um, and I actually... And I actually um, was uh, preparing for this sermon. And I was thinking, wow, I really wish God had an iPhone or something. You know, like, if God had a phone... You could just call him up. You know the Siri? Call God. And it's going to just call him up. Or you cacao him. What's up, Lord? I have a quick question. He tell him. You know, if God had like an iPhone or something. Not Galaxy though. Like an iPhone. <laughs> How wonderful and easy would that be, you know? You would just hear his voice directly. Man, I just talked to him. And he told me to do this and do that. But unfortunately, God's voice is a lot of times not audible voice. Very few times you will hear God's audible voice. God doesn't even have a house phone, you know. iPhone, whatever. I wish he had like a house phone that I can call. But unfortunately, he doesn't. Who is going to be your central voice other than the still small voice of the Lord? Apostle Paul here in the verse that we just read in verse 15, it says this. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. 
In other words, you could have countless voices around you, but then make sure I am the one central voice in your life. I think that's what Paul is addressing here. You could have a million people around you. You could listen to their opinions, but make sure I'm the one that's the central voice to you. Paul nails it down with verse 16. He says this, I urge you then, be imitators of me. Doesn't it kind of sound arrogant? Imitate me. You know, be like me. Imitator of me. He doesn't say imitator of Jesus Christ in me. You know, you know, he doesn't say that. Be imitators of me. Straightforward. And then another translation says this. Be followers of me. Is anyone slightly offended by that? I'm going to follow Jesus. I ain't going to follow anyone else, Paul. You know, that kind of offended me when I read that version. Be followers of me. Challenging. In verse 17, it goes on to say this. I sent you, Timothy, to remind you of my ways in Christ. As I teach them everywhere in every church. And it's clear after you read this, Paul was a spiritual father over the church of Corinth. Undeniable. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to preach to you that you need a spiritual father. Basic truth, take it. You need to get this. You need a spiritual father. You need a person to be the central voice in your life. That you believe and trust that God's going to speak through that person. You could call them your mentor. You could call them your discipler. I'm not talking about the term that you use, but you need a central voice. And the relationship should reflect the relationship of a child and a father. There's got to be the trust. There should be the love. And there must be submission. you got to have all those things in the relationship. You need a spiritual father. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you need a spiritual father. This is the part that you all, all have to wake up. All right? Everybody wake up. Randy, wake up. I called you out because I love you. In order to have a spiritual father, some of you need to take a step to leave the nest that you grew up in. Let me explain. Shifting, by that I mean you have to shift, it's shifting the central voice of your life from your natural guardian to a spiritual father. So transfer, it could happen at different times in your life. Some people will say after uh, high school, when you go to college. Some people will say when you get married. Some people will say when you become independent financially. People will give you different timings, but as the Spirit leads, at a certain point when the proper time comes, you have to make the shift from your natural guardian to the spiritual father. Let me explain further. Children need to be sheltered. You guys agree? They need to be taken care of. They need to be fed. Because they don't know what they're doing, pretty much. When I went to Busan, late at night I was awake, and I was looking for something to do in, in my room, because my, all my family were sleeping, and I found this old box full of uh, old pictures of my family. 
And I never knew that those pictures existed because we have a separate photo album that my family put together. But then I guess those were the leftover pictures. Quote, unquote, like not good pictures. <laughs> Embarrassing ones, I guess. And then I found a box full of pictures and I started like flipping through. And I realized that all my memories of childhood, they rely on the pictures that I saw growing up. So I thought I had an amazing memory because I remember, oh, I know when I took this picture when I was three. So I thought I remembered it, but all these other pictures from the same year, I had no idea. I couldn't even, you know, figure out, is that me or is it my brother, you know? <laughs> is that me or is that my cousin? I couldn't even figure out because I, I don't remember my face, you know? And I realized, wow, all these things that I thought I remember, it's re relying on all the other pictures that I saw growing up. So I just realized, oh my goodness, and I couldn't recognize a single memory. I didn't remember anything. All these like pictures in the valleys and mountains, family picnics and at the park. I didn't remember anything. Then one thing, um, one thing that, that cracked me up for like an hour was the, the clothes that I, I was wearing. Man, like power shoulders like this. <laughs> I looked ridiculous, like red pants and blue top. And like, my mom just dressed me, whatever she wanted to, you know, do. Like she just did it. And then crazy, like power body, like all over, like afro. I don't know. I looked ridiculous in those pictures. Kind of embarrassing. But I realized, man, when I was young, I really had no control over myself. In fact, I, I don't remember anything. All my clothes, my hair, my faces, or poses, you know, I don't remember. And I wasn't in control of any of those things, you know. I mean, as a young kid, your parents do that for you. And then you really don't know what you're doing. You know, you just, you just be there. And then your parents do everything else for you, right? But then as you grow up, you do your own hair. You buy clothes for yourself. You know how to po pose now. And then, you know, the, you know, the perfect angle. You guys all talk about like the self car angle and everything. You figure out and then you start to create your own things. You know, when, when you're young, your parents are supposed to do everything for you. And, um, you know, does that make sense to you guys? And then, um, just kids are not capable of making wise decisions whatsoever. And most of the time, they just need to depend on the natural guardians. Could be like grandma, could be whoever, your parents, you know, someone that raised you. So they are in need of the parenthood who, who do everything for you. But then when the proper season arrives, they must leave the household. They must leave the house, leave the covering. So like one example of leaving the house will be cleaving. Did I say that right? Cleaving. Yeah, the Bible says a man cleaves when he unites with the wife and then be the head of the, his own family. That's, that's called cleaving, right? I mean, these days, it's so hard to find healthy cleaving in Korean families. You guys know that? It just never happens. It never happens. Not never, maybe. It's so hard to see healthy cleaving happening in the Korean families. Number one, people get married so late. Like early 30s is like average for women and like mid 30s is like average for the men now, you know? They just get married so late that they're under their parents for like 34 years, you know? It's really hard. And then they leave the house physically, but they remain under the same covering the whole time. So all those mama boys, all those papa girls, they never get to leave the house mentally or spiritually. And 
If you get married like that, can I tell you that it's divisive? It's going to bring some kind of division. It's going to hinder your oneness with your husband, with your wife. Because you're under separate covering from two different households. That's why there is so much fight going on in Korean families. Because I think my mom's right and he thinks his mom's going to be right. And then we're going to fight. You know, there's a division inevitable. That's why it's so hard to cleave healthily in Korean families. If you look at little birds, you know, they need to be fed after they hatch and then they're little birds, you know, they can't do anything. So they need to be fed and kept in the nest and then uh, the, the mommy birds does everything for them, right? But then when the proper season comes, they need to take a risk and try flying on their own. You might get hurt, but you have to take the risk and try it at least. You must fly out of the nest. But then, let's say the mommy bird says, Mommy knows the best. You stay here. I will feed you forever. You are not going to leave this nest. I will do everything for you. I make the decisions for you. You just stay here. I mean, what's going to end up happening to that little bird? Die? <laughs> you sure? <laughs> I mean, eventually the birds, the little birds are going to be disabled. And they will never learn how to fly. They will never learn how to leave the house. They will just be stuck there forever. You know, they're going to get fat. And then the nest will collapse, I believe. (laughs) You know? And let's let's say the cleaving finally happens. Finally, somehow they learn how to fly out. And they fly out. The parents suffer from the empty nest syndrome. You know, that's a psychological term. I didn't make that out, right? That's empty nest syndrome. A lot of Korean parents suffer from that. And cause, um, after their children leave so late, they feel abandoned. They feel, did I say something wrong again? But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's the unhealthy soul tie that they have. And then your parents are going to feel rejected and abandoned. And they're going to suffer from depression. It's just not healthy. You know, you're physically out, but you're really not out. You're still in the nest. You're still controlled by the voice of your natural parenthood forever. That's really not healthy. And another case you, you guys can easily relate to is that they leave the nest, they leave the natural guardians, your parents, your harmony, whoever, but they never make a transfer to a spiritual father. So they leave, and it's like freedom. All right, I don't listen to anybody now. And you wonder why all those Christian youth group kids, they leave for college, they leave home, or I'm going to college, and then they never find the church. They never find the spiritual father. And you wonder why they're backsliding? Kidding me? There's no guardian over them. It's their first time flying. Of course they're going to collapse. Of course they're going to, you know, get hurt and be lost. That's exactly what is happening. You leave the covering of the natural family but you never find a spiritual father who will take care of you. And they go, go out and they just mess it up. Now, you are out of the nest. And you are making that transfer, okay? Let's say you, you cleave or you got married or something, and then you are now coming out of the covering, natural covering of your family, and you are making the transfer. Who do I follow? You're going to make the decision, right? Who am I going to follow? Who will be my spiritual father? You know, who's the man? Who's the woman? That's a crucial question. You're going to ask that question, right? Who, who's going to be my spiritual father? And if you are a member of New Philly sitting here, and if you're wondering who's going to be my father, I'm going to call you dummies, okay? 
That's not nice. I will rebuke you by calling you dummies. <laughs> That's just dumb, right? Your spiritual father is who? Pastor Christian, if you made the commitment to come under this household and be raised up, your spiritual father is automatically Pastor Christian. All right, so don't ask me that question anymore. <laughs> you know, where can I find my spiritual father? At least for your season here at New Philly, your spiritual father is Pastor Christian. Easy, right? <laughs> But surprisingly, people ask these questions. You know, where can I find my spiritual father? I get that question a lot. And then, can I tell you guys that your spiritual father will not be perfect? He won't be always right. Do you guys agree with that? And are you okay with that? <laughs> It's kind of hard to preach in front of PC right now. <laughs> But can you hear this? You know, Apostle Paul he wrote this uh, in the same chapter. The beginning of it, he says he's a steward of the mysteries of God. And um, because he was found trustworthy, God entrusted him with these mysteries of God. And, um, you know, Apostle Paul's a very complicated person. So in his different epistles, he talks about the church being the mystery of God, talks about um, Jesus Christ himself, the mystery of God, the gospel being the mystery of God. He talks about all kinds of stuff. But let's just take it as a literally mystery, unknown things about God, mystery of God. And, um, you know, if you read the Bible, if you do, I hope you do, you're going to see a lot of different interpretations, especially if you study it, different commentaries and whatnot. You're going to see different interpretations, even between different translations, there are different views reflected on them. And then you're going to see different doctrines coming out of the same verse, you know, and all these mysteries. And the answer is it's unknown to us. You know, that's why there are so many controversies about the Bible. That's why there are so many denominations about, you know, just about the interpretation of the Bible. You know, there are mysteries of God that's given to us. And how to steward them? It's up to these fathers. So he's, the father, the he's, Apostle Paul here, is entrusted with stewarding those mysteries of God. So he's basically, Apostle Paul basically says here that he could be wrong. Surprise. He wrote a lot of the Bible, you know. He's basically saying, I could be wrong. I'm not saying I know and understand all the mysteries of God. But he says this. But if so, if there's anything wrong, God will be my judge. And he says, I don't even judge myself because he doesn't have the right to. Whatever is interested to me, I do my best in interpreting, stewarding the mysteries of God, but I cannot guarantee that I will be always right. I cannot guarantee what I teach is, he, Paul says, I don't, I'm not aware of anything wrong in what I teach, but then that doesn't mean that I'm acquitted. You know, that means he could be possibly wrong. But if there is, he says, God is, you know, keeping me accountable. God's going to deal with me. So don't worry and just submit and just follow me. He's so confident about it. Because he understands that, he says, be imitators of me. Be followers of me. Follow my ways in Christ Jesus. 
he could say, me, 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 I, 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 confidently as a spiritual father. Paul isn't separating following him from following Jesus. Everything happens in the gospel in Christ Jesus. Paul's spiritual fatherhood over the church of the Corinth, it's in Christ Jesus, according to the Bible. And his ways that the Corinth church are urged to follow is also, according to the Bible, in Christ as well. The father is in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of the gospel. The heart of the spiritual father is constrained by the heart of the father and by the truth of the gospel. And that is what's most important. As long as you know, all right, my spiritual father, he's constrained by the truth of the gospel, and he's being a faithful steward of the mysteries of God, you could trust him and you could follow him. He does not have to be perfect. If he's wrong, God's going to deal with him. God will keep him accountable. And don't worry, be imitators of him. I mean, I see so many people going around different churches looking for the perfect father that they could submit willingly. So many people, church hopping, going to this church and that church, this pastor got this and that wrong. I mean, come to seminary. You will find a whole bunch of them. Come to seminary. (laughs) That pastor got that doctrine wrong. You know, his theology is off. His seminary sucks. You know, like all kinds of stuff. You will find a whole bunch of people criticizing all these pastors and leaders, and they were not willing to submit to any of them. And they keep church hopping, church to another, church to another, trying to look for the perfect one. But I guarantee they won't find one. There's no perfect one. If Apostle Paul wasn't perfect, I guarantee there isn't really one. Kind of, I'm kind of glad that, you know, you know, you guys all know about uh, King David and how his spiritual covering was King Saul. And so I was trying to kill David. I'm really glad that my spiritual covering is not trying to kill me. <laughs> Just thankful that um, I don't have to run around from PC, you know. Just, you know, like PC would say, suck it up. <laughs> if your leader is not perfect, so what? Just submit and trust him. And God's going to deal with him. And another thing I want to point out is verse 19. It says this, But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. So this part tells you that Apostle Paul isn't with them physically. He's not there. So I think it was uh, Paul's second missions journey that he visited Corinth Church, and then he was doing some work, and he left. And then he's writing these long letters trying to shepherd them. Physically, he's not there. Paul wasn't even with them. And can I be honest? A lot of people struggle with the fact that they don't have personal relationship with Pastor Christian. A lot of people in different churches as well, they struggle with the fact that, oh, the pastor doesn't even know me. I don't think he even knows my name. How can I be his spiritual son? How could he possibly be my spiritual father when he knows nothing about me? I mean, here's the answer. Paul says so confidently, I became your father. When he doesn't know everyone, when he's physically not there, and and all the details, I mean, you guys can imagine, he just visited there once. And of course, 
Paul doesn't know all the new believers, all the newcomers that came. Of course, Paul wasn't able to greet everyone, you know, but it does not matter. He sent Timothy instead and says, Timothy will remind you of my ways in Christ Jesus. And look at him and learn from him. He doesn't even go there himself. If the Lord wills, I will go. But then that means if the Lord doesn't will, he's not going to be there. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I might not be able to visit you, but that's fine. I'm still your spiritual father. If you are struggling with the physical distance or relational distance with your spiritual father, here's the answer. You don't, that's really not necessary. It will be good if it happens, but It's not a must. The covering still is over you. You are still a spiritual son and daughter. You know, and Timothy is important. You know, Paul sent Timothy and saying, you know, and you guys know, I preached about it last year too, but sons of God, they reveal the Father. So when we go out, we reveal the Heavenly Father, but also when you see Pastor Marcus, when you see me, when you see Pastor John, you should see a lot of things about Pastor Christian because sons reveal the heart of the Father. And then, you know, you have your small group leaders over you and all the members and everyone here, our CCPs, community care pastors, always reach out to you when you don't come to church and stuff. You know, you have that uh, caring over you and that extension of Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron's love over you. You know, that doesn't mean PC doesn't care about me. He doesn't even know me. You don't have to say that. You know, you're a small group leader's extension of that. And you are loved. Just receive it. Your CCP called you, feel loved. <laughs> Pastor G called you, feel loved, you know. Oh, Jesus called me. And I know you got to understand that's the structure that Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron set up to care for you and to love on you. Physical distance is deception. Relational distance or void, that's a deception. That's a lie. You guys are fully, fully covered, even when you don't greet them on Sunday. That's fine. And then, after you come into a house as a son, this is one thing that I really want to um, kind of teach you guys. This is what I've been learning as well. But um, I, was, I used to be very stuck up in like what's right or what's wrong. I will always try to learn do's and don'ts about PC. I mean... I still, ha- I still, you know, my focus was kind of pleasing my spiritual father, and that I know pleases the Lord. So I was trying to do it, but then I was so caught up with do's and don'ts around PC, and then what's right or what's wrong around PC, what he likes, what he doesn't like around PC. <laughs> I used to really struggle with that, and I was almost tempted to make like a list. I was gonna like type it out one day, you know, just type it all out, and then. Let's, let's see, you know, do's and don'ts and stuff like that. But I realized that I missed the heart. You know, sons of God really need to catch the heart of the Father. Heart of the Father. Not just rebukes, not just corrections, but like getting his heart and then adopting that heart into mine and then doing it out of that heart. And what I'm learning recently is that... Um, the standard of definition of excellence has been changing in my life. And I used to be very perfectionist. So when I would like work on like an Excel sheet, I would be perfect. 
I will spend like two hours beautifying an Excel sheet, trying to look, make it look colorful and pretty, you know, all the fonts and, you know, beautifying it for like two hours. But then I realized that's kind of unnecessary. Because PC, PC likes color coding, but it really, I really miss the heart of the, heart of the father. What I mean by that is, you know, and I used to be kind of like, I need to focus on one thing at once and per- make it perfect and move on to another project and then make it perfect finish it, and then go to another one. I used to be really big on that, even when I was doing school stuff. But then what I realized is PC is not like that. He likes to uh, juggle a million things at once and still be excellent in everything. I mean, he doesn't require me to be perfect. I don't have to be perfect in everything. Beautifying everything, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't care about those stuff, you know? But like really getting his heart, what he sees as excellence, and me adjusting to that. And adopting that as my standard of excellence. That was, you really had to take place to work with him, you know? And, and I know a lot of other stuff that I am getting used to and I'm learning from. Another thing is a focus of the ministry too. If you are involved in some kind of ministry, I mean, think about you opening up a ministry or a church. And what will you, what will be your focus? Some of you will say missions, ministry. Some of you will say like a K1 prayer house. What will be yours? You know, what will really be your focus? Like discipleship, small group ministry, worship team? Have you guys ever thought about that? If you ever will have like your own ministry, what will be your focus? And I realized that all these different fathers have different focuses. If you go to third wave, they're going to focus on raising of the new generation and music ministry. If you go to OEM, I don't know what OEM's focus is, but <laughs> they're going to have their community justice. Yeah, they were really focusing on justice, you know. And then other ministries, like, you know, other ministries have different focuses. And you might, you might kind of, oh, man, I like that. I wish we do the same thing. You know, oh, I like that focus. I wish we could do the same thing. But then... Spiritual father who's stewarding the vision of the house will have something else in his mind. Even when it doesn't match up, you follow the father, you support him. And whenever he's leading. Man. You guys are sons of the house. Let's pray.